We are in a series called I Love My Church, and uh, how many love your church? Anybody here love your church? Glad you're here. Yeah, you do. And uh, just so excited about all God's doing in our church, through our church, and this series is a series that we've done. Now this is our third year to do this series, and the reason we do it is because we, we feel like it's important for, uh, for us to remind ourselves, honestly, why we love our church so much and why Jesus loved his church so much. Because I don't know if y'all know, Jesus loved the church. He gave his life for the church. He, he did everything he could for the church. And so there's so many reasons on why we should love our church. And so this whole series, we're going to be painting those reasons of, of why we are uh, a church body. So anyways, how many in here, real quick, uh, how many in here love eating? Any, any food, any? Yeah, Okay. How many of you are a breakfast person? You got to get up. You got to have breakfast every morning. Lunch people? Any big lunch people? Dinner people? All three? <laughs> With snacks in between? <laughs> oh, it's funny. When, when, sometimes when our boys will go to bed, my wife will make cookies specifically for our family. I mean, uh, for me and her, not even our family. Our boys, they get nothing. Um, no, they get ice cream. And, it, and it's funny because our, our boys will wake up you know, you know, because you know how kids are. They don't go to bed when you tell them to go to bed. So they'll come in and they'll be like, what y'all got? And you're like, mind your business. Get out of the room. Go. Thank you. Anyways, um, I love food. Uh, one of my favorite kind of fast food restaurants that I, that I love to go to, and I've shared this a number of times. I just feel like I need to let you know because Pastor's Appreciation is about to come up, um, is Raising Cane's. Any Raising Cane's people in here? Any fans of Raising Cane's in here? It's usually a love-hate relationship. People either, either love it or they just don't like it at all. Any, how about Chick-fil-A? Any Chick-fil-A people in here? Okay, it's about split. All right. So I love Raising Cane's. I like Chick-fil-A too. I just like food. Um, but I, I love Raising Cane's. And I love Raising Cane's because of one thing. Secret sauce. Y'all know that, right? Huh? Sauce is the boss at Raising Cane's. And how many know when you order, you got to order two sauces? That's what spiritual people do. I just want to let you know. Or you just go ahead and buy the gallon that they sell for you, and you just go ahead and do that. You can go ahead and, and get the extra stuff, but the sauce is what makes it what it is. Of course, it's what it's known for. Chicken's great, but the sauce is what makes what it is. And, you know, I have a lot of people that ask me all the time, like, what makes our Savior's Church just what it is? It's, it, it seems like everybody's talking about it, and everybody wants to be a part of it. What is it? And I tell it, it's the secret sauce. We have a secret sauce. It's actually in the coffee. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I thought it tasted a little weird. And so, no, it's a secret sauce that we have. And, and, and it's really the premise behind this series. Because I believe if we can put these two sauces, these two main ingredients together, we kind of have this incredible sauce. And really, anybody can have this sauce. It's not just for OSC, but I think it is what makes our church different than a lot of churches. And that is, uh, one, our first ingredient is Jesus Come on, how many know he's the base? He's, he's everything. Everything starts and begins and ends with him. He's Jesus. And then, and then the second ingredient that I think is just as powerful, um, but definitely not more, but is as powerful, is you. Is you. And I think when you mix Jesus and spiritual family together, you have an incredible sauce. And uh, I, that is the goal of this series, by the way. My goal for this entire series is to introduce you and introduce people to Jesus. Because how many know when you meet Jesus, your life's never the same? Anybody in here can testify to that? Your life's never the same. If you really meet Jesus, I'm not talking about just knowing about him, but you really encounter Jesus in a powerful way, your, your life's never the same. And I think God is incredible in that. But I also think you're awesome. 
And I think when people meet you, every single one of you that's in here, you are contagious too. And, and it makes you, I don't know if you've ever left uh, Raising Cane's and, you, and you've finished the, the sauce and you've done all the, the you know, french fries in it and your fingers in it. Anybody? It's pretty bad. Pray for me, okay? It's, it's a bad. You know what I want? I want more. I want more. And I pray, this is my prayer every Sunday, I pray that when people leave our church, they go, I just want more. I want more of that. So let me, let me give you some notes. How many of you got some notes? If you got some notes, wave them at me just so I can see them. Great, awesome. Take some notes with us. Let me give you the, the premise behind it. So here it is. Our goal is to introduce people to Jesus and you. You are the church, and I believe when people meet you, it is phenomenal. Church is not a place you go to, by the way. It's a family you belong to. You'll hear us say this all the time. It's not just a, a quote that we say. It's something we really honestly, truly believe. I've been here for 17 years. I started when I was six. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but I have been here for 17 years, and, and I came here, and I've been here for that duration of time, not because I found a great church, even though I think it's a great church. I found an incredible family. Amen. And how many of you know when you find a great family, you hold on to those? And the ones that are not great, you let go of those. <laughs> and so uh, this is a family that I have held on to for so long and, and can honestly plan on doing that until I die. And that is my goal. And, your, and my goal for you is to, is to connect you with Jesus and connect you with people. Today, the title of today's message is called Better Together. Look at somebody next to you go, say, I'm better because of you. <clears throat> now look at your second choice because you know you got a second choice and go, you, you two, tell, tell me, you two, you two. <laughs> All right, let's get into the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter four is where we're going to begin today. Ecclesiastes it says this, two people are, everybody say this with me. Yeah. Come on, 930. Two people are yeah. better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls what? Alone. Falls alone by themselves, they in some trouble. I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> so, anyways, likewise, two People lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? Come on, anybody married in here? Anybody had those cold feet put on you? You're like, get those feet off of me. That's what, that, that's what that is, by the way. It says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two, two can stand back to back and conquer. Three, though, are even what? They're even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We have a, um, a, a society now that is being raised, and our kids are being raised in a very um, social media-driven culture. And, and, and for that, a lot of it is really, really good. Of course, there's downsides to everything um, with social media, but there's a lot of plus sides to that. I, I believe a lot of what has happened with the hurricanes, a lot of things what's happened with relief, a lot of things of what God's doing in our church and around our city gets promoted through social media, and we're so thankful for that. But one of the tendencies within social media, and, and I think can be a bad thing, is, is that people are constantly looking for likes but longing for love. And we misplace likes for love. We think because people like us or people follow us or we follow them that we must be in close relationship with them. But the truth is that that's usually not the case. The sad thing is we, we are more connected to people now in this point of our history than ever before, and yet we are more lonely now in this history than ever before. 
How is that? How can we be more connected? I can, in a matter of five seconds, get information out to any of you and get it like that and be that connected to you and you to me, and yet we are still so lonely. The highest medication right now that people are taking is depression medication. More people are lonely than ever before. More people are isolated than ever before. So there is an epidemic that even Facebook is not fixing. No social media is fixing. And I do, I do believe people are longing for love. People long to be connected. They want to be a part of a family. And one of the things I have people ask me all the time is, they say, well, do you have to be a Christian? Do you have to go to church to be a Christian? And my answer is no, you don't. But you do have to go to church to be a thriving Christian. So you can go to church and not go to church and be a Christian, but I think if you want to thrive, then you need to be connected to a church. Because here's what I know. You can live alone, but you can't thrive alone. Isn't that right? You can live alone, but you can't thrive alone. And so this whole, whole message today is about this idea of us not thriving alone, but us being together. Now, I am a, I'm a uh, Houston boy. I was raised in, in Houston. I was raised in Dallas, so I was a big city. So when I came to Jennings, um, whew, it was a culture shock for me. Um, uh, yesterday, my family and I, we went to the, we went to the rodeo here in Jennings, and uh, the last time I've been at a rodeo was the Houston rodeo. <laughs> just a little different. <laughs> uh, it was just a totally different mindset for me coming, coming to a smaller city, which I love now and I'll never leave. But um, in, in Houston, you're just so used to massively huge buildings and skyscrapers, and then in Dallas, seeing the same thing and just being around a lot of people. And one of the things, if you know anything about kind of skyscrapers, is they, um, however high you see them, so if they're two, 300 feet in the air, what you may not know is, is down below, 30% of it is actually below the surface that you don't even see. So if it's 300 feet, 100 feet is down below. They've got to dig down so that way they, they can build high. But there is one structure, one structure in the world that is able to, be, to go 350 feet high and only be five feet deep, and it does not knock over. You know what it is? It's the redwood trees. The redwood trees are um, the only structure that can go 300 to 350 feet high. How many of you have seen these in person? Anybody seen some redwood trees? And I'm jealous of you. I would love to see these in person. I mean, these things are massively huge. Some of these, you can drive a vehicle through them. But the thing that most people don't realize is their root system is only between three and five feet deep. That's, right. That's it. I mean, my height, and that is it. And yet none of them blow over. Well, why, why is that the case? Well, I don't know if you know this, but all of their root systems are actually interconnected with one another. The reason that they're so strong and able to go so high is because of the, the uh, connection that they have. Their root systems are intertwined. So this tree may be connected to this one, and this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. And so because they're connected, they have an incredible amount of strength. And I'd say the same thing, honestly, for our church. There's a lot of people in here, we're all in different spiritual journeys. Some of you are, have, have known God for a long time. Some of you are walking in here, and you don't even know quite what is this whole God thing about? And, and I don't even know if I really believe what you believe, but that's okay because no matter what your depth is, as long as we're connected to one another, you can go through storms and still last. Come on, can I get an amen on that? And so, and so we, we do things here called life groups, which is our, our ways for you to get connected into the family and to have relationships and, and, and connections. And I'll share more about those 
uh, in just a minute. But I want to talk to you today about how do we become better together? Why are we better together when we're, and then instead of being alone and isolated? So let me give you some notes. Here we go. Number one, together you gain wisdom. Together you gain wisdom. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says this, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Become wise by walking with the wise. God is telling us that we are to, I mean, no, you're not supposed to walk in life alone. You're not supposed to walk in life alone. If you will walk with wise, you'll become wise. Hang out with fools and you'll have your life fall to pieces. I wish I could just have people come and there would be a countless number of stories of people that could stand on this stage and tell you how their life has fallen to pieces, not really just because of the decisions that they made, but because of the people they chose to be around. Yep. And so I want us as a church to make sure that we are constantly walking with wise people. I love this idea of walking. It doesn't say I go get counsel from a wise person and then I get wisdom. It says, no, I'm just doing life walking with wise people. I love the way C.S. Lewis put it. He said this, the next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are. So listen, even if you're a fool, just hang out with wise people and you'll be okay. That's what it's saying. As long as I can just stick around wise people. And how many know you need some people in your life that will tell you the truth? Any of y'all ever had something stuck up in your teeth all day and you got home and you looked in that mirror and it was there and you knew you ran into like five friends who should, you thought were your friends? Anybody in here have ever had that ever? A fly down or something? Last year I preached with my fly down. And no one loved me enough in this church to tell me. After I got done, my wife was like, baby, you need a zip. I was like, that whole time, you could have just done something. I don't, you could have done anything. I would have figured something out. And so she slept on the couch that night. And, and I'm not Do you know that's not true? Anyways, that's not true at all. But I mean, we need some people that will tell us the truth. I, 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 I'll put it another way. Who can tell you no? Somebody like, nobody can. That's the problem. We need to have people in our lives that can tell us the things that we don't want to hear, but we need to hear. Come on, how many of you are thankful for some people that loved you enough to tell you some things that probably could have hurt the relationship, but instead it helped you a lot? And so we gain wisdom when we hang out with people that are, are wise and loving God. If you're hanging out with people that are not wise, that are not loving God, don't be surprised if you're not going to be either. We are better together and we get wisdom. Here's number two. Together you gain healing. Together you gain healing. So this is what James chapter 5 says. It says, confess your sins to who? To each other. And pray for who? Each other. So that, here's why we do that, so that you can what? You can be healed. So this is, this is what this verse is saying. Oftentimes when we sin, when we mess up, when we do something we shouldn't do, we go to God and we say, God, please forgive me. And God says, yes, he forgives us. The problem with that is, is we only get forgiveness, we don't get healing. And some of you right now are wondering why you keep going through the same thing. It feels like you're in like a hamster wheel and you're spinning your wheels and you're, not get, you're like, I'm going to church, I'm praying, I'm, I'm asking God to forgive me, I'm asking God to help me, and, and I'm not getting anywhere. I feel like I'm dealing with the same thing over and over and over and over again. The problem is because you're asking God for forgiveness, he's given it, but you still got a wound that's not getting healed. And the only way it gets healed is when you confess it to someone else. 
when you let somebody else in. Let me, let me put it a, a different way. You're only as sick as your secrets. Let me put it another way. There's no healing in hiding. So when I'm hiding what's going on in my heart, when I'm hiding what's going on in my marriage, and I'm hiding what's going on in my life, then there's no healing that can begin. So with these, I, I always want to make sure that we're putting real stories to each of these um, points, because I don't want you just to hear preaching, and I don't want you just to hear the Bible. I want you to hear real-life people sharing how this has actually impacted them. And so uh, Samantha Hine, who's a, a girl, her and her husband, Ethan, are part of our church here. They've been apart for a while. Um, she was bold enough to actually write down her story for us. And uh, she just wrapped up one of our Freedom Life groups, which um, we'd love to get you in one if you're not in one. But I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear her story because this is real life stuff. This is what she said. She said, I'd just gotten through inner healing, which by the way is a 16-week course that Miss Tracy leads to help people process through hurts and pains. She just finished it. She said, I had heard about freedom and I wasn't going to join because I thought, what more could I need? I mean, my innards felt healed. She said, well, needless to say, I joined a freedom group, not knowing why, just that I was called by God to join. In the last two weeks of the class, God dredged up my past and I wasn't happy about it. You see, Satan had been tempting me with porn, which I thought was gone from my mind months ago. And yes, I just busted the myth that it's only men who are tempted with, with these things. I had struggled for that with, for years, but I didn't know why. And I'm a Christian, and I love God, and I go to church, and I read my Bible, and I'm ha happily married. So why all these thoughts? Then one day, God revealed to me that I had been hurt in the past. Someone had hurt me. I was too young to remember, so I always thought it was just a weird dream. So I just swept it under the rug, and I buried it in dirt, and then I poured concrete on it. At first, I didn't want to say anything because it was such a taboo thing for women, much less someone like me to deal with. So I prayed, and God gave me the courage to reach out to my leader. Now watch this. Sharing, confessing with someone. I prayed, and gave, God gave me the courage to reach out to my leader who reassured me that I wasn't alone, and I wasn't a freak, and that I could overcome these thoughts and temptations. I've accepted what has happened, and I have forgiven fully my offender, and now I'm able to move on, and I'm no longer held down by guilt and shame, and I'm no longer prisoned to these thoughts, and God has allowed freedom to be the tool which led me to find this freedom. Come on, somebody. Here's, here's what I know when it comes to confession of, with people. You don't have to tell everybody but you're in trouble if you don't tell anybody. Y'all hear me? Don't tell everybody. I'm not asking you, okay, let's have, we're gonna, everybody's going to stand up here in church and just, we're going to declare all the, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, if you're not telling somebody, you're in trouble. Somebody's got to know what's going on. Because here's what I know. If you don't tell anybody, then what ends up, that's what the enemy uses to keep you paralyzed and staying right where you are. How many of you have experienced that yourself? confessing to other people, just getting it out. Here's how I know. The way that I deal with the darkness in my heart is I expose it to light. And when I expose it to light, it kills all of the darkness. So I pray that God would give some of you maybe the courage today to just grab somebody and say, hey, I just need to share this with you. This is what's really going on in our marriage. This is what's really going on in my life. So we, 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 together, we get healing. Here's number three. Together, you gain protection. You gain protection. Now, most of us in here know the story um, of David and Goliath, his very first giant that he fought. He fought with five smooth stones and a 
slingshot. And we know the story. He's 15, 16 years old, sees the giant. Nobody else wants to fight him. He faces the giant and uh, cuts his head off. I mean, proud moment. What most people don't know, though, is David's last fight with his last giant. Decades have gone on. He's a much older man now. And this is the last giant that he fights in his life. But it's going to be fought a different way. And I want to show you this in 2 Samuel 21. It says, once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became, what's these two words? Weak and so he's older. Now he's, he's weaker. He's exhausted. He's tired. It says, and Ishbinibab. Come on, how many know that's a giant's name right there? Do not name your son that. You're just asking for him to get beat on the playground. Uh, Ishbinibab was a descendant of the giants, and he was armed with a new sword. Now watch this. Watch this. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. So I don't know if David had maybe some slingshots, you know, ready to go for what he did before, but undoubtedly he's not using it. And here's this giant that's now about to take him out. And, and I, want you, I want you to see how God now provides for him. It says, but Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. So the first time David kills, a, kills Goliath is a miracle by God with a rock. The last giant, though, that David kills, he doesn't kill it. A brother steps in. And, and he couldn't do what he did before. Now, if I'm going to be honest with you, I think this story seems a little weird. I think it should be reversed. When he's 15, 16-year-old, never faced a giant before, how many of you think he faces a giant? He needs some help. He needs some brothers around him and say, hey, guys, let's take them out together. And then as he gets older and wiser, he gets stronger, and he, he, he's able to use his uh, slingshot better. And I would think that now that he's an older man, he doesn't need people as much, and now he can take the giant out himself. But here's the truth that I know is that as you progress and as you grow in God, how many know your giants get a lot bigger? And how many know that as you grow in your, in your walk with God, you realize you need people more? I don't need them less. I need them more. And David realized that in order for him to be protected, he needed a brother. He didn't need a miracle. He needed a brother. And there are giants in your life and in my life that are roaring and that are coming after us. And before, you used to be able to defeat it. But now you're trying to figure out why you can't beat it, and it's about to take you out, and you're not realizing that the one secret weapon that God has for you is a brother or sister, someone that's going to come alongside of you and help you. And the more you grow in God, the bigger the giants come. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 puts it this way. Now watch what it says. It says, by yourself, you're what? You're unprotected. When you're alone, you're unprotected. With a friend, though, look at this. You can face the worst. You get an Abishai in your life. You get a guy, get a, another woman in your life that's a friend. You can go through anything. And can you round up a third? Because a three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. You know, it's funny because our world says that if you're going to be stronger and better, you need to be independent. You need to be on your own. You need to, you need to take care of this. You're, you're a man. But God says, no, 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 listen, the weak people are the ones who think they can do it on their own. The strong people are the ones who realize, I need someone in my life that can help me. And that's why we, we have life groups. That's why we have this root system. Because this root system allows us to continue to grow in our relationship with God, but be connected to people so that whatever we go through, we're not going to get knocked down. And some of you are getting knocked down by the waves of life, the giants of life, 
And the only reason you're getting knocked down is because you're doing it by yourself. It's the only reason. And God has provided for you a people who can help you be protected. Number four, together you gain encouragement. You gain encouragement. Second Corinthians chapter seven says this. This is Paul. He says, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction. How many feel like right now you're going through stuff and it's hitting you from all directions? Financially, marriage, job, it's just, it's just coming from everywhere. You got a friend in Paul. He says, man, I'm going through everything from every direction. And here's what he's saying. He says, I've got battles on the outside. So, man, I'm, I'm fighting stuff at work. I'm fighting stuff in my family, fighting stuff with my kids. I'm fighting stuff with my finances. I'm fighting stuff with them. But I'm also got a greater battle, though, and it's I got fear on the inside. So how many know it's bad enough to go through all the stuff on the outside? It's a whole other thing when you're battling stuff on the inside. I got insecurities and fears and worries and plagues. And Paul's going, listen, I, I was just done. I, I'm getting to the end of myself. And can I tell you this? We only quit when we're alone. It's the only time. I, 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 uh, I've recently started working out, and, and I started working out at a gym where there's a lot of people that work out with me. And the only reason I do that is because I know if I go into a gym by myself, I'm going to be like, one, I'm done. <laughs> this is no lie, because I've done it. Anybody else in here? I need people around me that are going to be like, again, do it again. You got that. I need women right next to me that are lifting more than me. And I'm like, no, you did not. No, you did not. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's a lot of them in our gym. But anyways, so that's why I wear a hat and sunglasses. You're not going to see me. So, but I, 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 I only quit when I'm by myself. And the only time we quit in our faith is when we're by ourselves. The only time we quit in life is we're by ourselves. You go and you find out a lot of people in our, in, our, in our own area, we've had so many people that have taken their own life. I mean, it is, an, it is a serious spirit that's on our, on our area right now, and it's a sad thing, and it's a lot of younger people. And if you go and you look at the, 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 the background of a lot of these people, they just feel alone. And yet they're filled with people. People are all around them, yet they feel so alone. And Paul's in this moment, he's like, listen, I'm going through stuff in all directions. I'm going through stuff on the outside. I got all these fears on the inside. And so he's crying out to God, God, what do I do? And so, of course, you would think God's just going to show up and give him peace. But watch what God does. But God who encourages those who are discouraged. Come on, how many glad we got a God who encourages us when we are discouraged? Now, watch how he encourages them, though. He encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy. So God's answer to Paul's prayer of being tired, exhausted, lonely was, you know what? I'm not going to answer your prayer with just giving you peace and giving you hope and giving you encouragement. I'm going to send you a brother. I'm going to send somebody in your life that's going to encourage your soul to stay in the game. And all of us in here, if we're honest, if you followed God for any duration of time, it's not always mountaintops. There are some of the deepest valleys you will walk through. And I love that Psalms 23 says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And how many know one of the ways God is with you is he sends his people to go with you? Come on, how many glad when you walk through a valley, you have some people walking with you? And for those in here that are not shaking your head, 
you're not thankful because you didn't have anybody. My encouragement today, hopefully the Holy Spirit is doing something on the deep end of your heart, is that if you are discouraged, that I pray today you find a Titus. I pray we get somebody in your life, because we're all going to walk through stuff. So with that, let me share another story. Um, Sarah, Sarah Chasson is a, is a uh, woman in our church. She's, her and her husband have been, have been coming for a while, and um, if you don't know her, I, w- I want to introduce you to her. She says this, I'd, I'd always been in and out of church. My dad is a preacher, um, and he pastors a church in town, actually here. And she said, I felt like I was obligated to go to his church every, every time. But I started following Joel's story, who's actually my youngest son. And uh, I, I noticed the love for Jesus that Pastor Josh and Lindsay had. I started praying for God <clears throat> to place me in a church that I could raise up my son in and that he could actually learn more than just teaching me what I knew. So I Facebook messaged Pastor Josh about their kids' services to find out when they were. Right then, I knew that we had to go give it a try. So I talked to my husband about it, but we held back because we were extremely nervous. February 1st, 2016, my family got the worst news I'd ever received. My husband was diagnosed with tongue cancer, and we had to see a surgeon ASAP. We then knew that we had only one choice, and that was to fall at the feet of Jesus So we decided now we would give OSC a try. We were welcomed with open arms and open hearts, and we love everything about OSC. The atmosphere and God's presence was in the house, and I then just wanted more. Then OSC impacted our lives by becoming family and pouring their love into us as we went down this horrible road. Pastor Bubba spoke with us and prayed over us and never let up checking on us. And not only did he check on us how we were doing physically, but he also checked on us to see how we were doing mentally and emotionally. And while going through surgeries and me taking care of my husband and my four-year-old at the time, our mill ministry here at the church, spearheaded by Roxanne Fano, who's here in service, was phenomenal. They took a heavy burden off of me. And thanks to Heather and Joy Frugé for being by my side the whole time. They took me in under their wing and was there when I needed positive in my life. They spent the last night that Nick was here with us. And as soon as they got the call that he had passed, On September 1st, 2016, they were there in less than five minutes. This is absolutely a family. And I thank God every day for leading us home. Come on, somebody. Maybe, just maybe, the answer to your prayer is sitting right next to you. Now look at the person to your right and go, that could be you. Now, if you're single and they're single, that might be something there. I don't know. (laughs) Oftentimes, we're praying for God to give us encouragement. We're praying for God to give us hope. And God's going, I already did. Just look around. You're missing out on it. It's right in front of you. It's right beside you. It's all around you. It's called people. And some of you in here are like, No, but I've been hurt by people. I don't want to be around people. Yeah, you were hurt by bad people. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for the way other churches have treated you. That's not our church. And by the way, we will hurt you. (laughs) Because we are people that are all messed up and all need Jesus. But how many know at the end of the day, we're also family? And so we're committed to one another. We're committed to helping 
And the only reason that you're not experiencing the love of this family is because you're just not in it. Just get in it. I promise you, you will have the stories like these girls have right now. Let me, let me, let me, let me show you how this is even playing out. Just this week, just this one week, in our church family, we've had a man in our church that's been battling brain cancer. He had, he had surgery a couple weeks ago, found out this week that his brain cancer is stage four. We had a grandmother that's in our church that had her grandson tragically killed in a motorcycle accident. We had a young mom, single mom in our church that's on our dream team that had her apartment almost literally burned down to the ground this week. And here's what I love about God's family. Every single one of those situations, God has used people to minister to each one of those. So our guy Marshall that has the stage four cancer, I've watched our church rally around him and his family and extended family and watch him walk through what's going to continue to be a very rough road, but he's had such incredible faith, and I've watched our church encourage him greatly. Miss Madeline, who just had her grandson pass away as of last night, he was on life support all this week. I talked to her on Friday morning. I'm, I'm sitting in front of our CrossFit box, I'm about to go work out, and she's just crying on the phone. And uh, I'm crying on the phone with her, and she's like, Pastor Josh, I don't know, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how. She said, I said, it's times like these you're thankful for spiritual family. And she said, Pastor Josh, I'm telling you right now, if you can let our church family know what they have meant to me during these last four or five days has been insurmountable, the amount of strength and joy that they've given me and help and love and encouragement to see your 24-year-old grandson die tragically. The girl who had her, her apartment um, almost burned down. It's funny because in the 8 a.m. service, her dad walked up to me. I didn't even know it was her dad. I didn't know her dad was sitting in the service. He walked up to me after the 8 a.m. service. He said, hey, that girl, that's my daughter. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I don't even know how y'all responded as quickly as you did. It literally happened, and then she started getting phone calls and messages from people in the church within five to ten minutes of it happening going, what do you need? How can we help? Do you need clothes? Do you need toys? Do you need food? Do you need a place to stay? And in just a matter of, he said, literally, we hadn't even barely found out about it, and all the church was already finding out about what was going on. I said, yeah, we know everything. Um, <laughs> We got censors everywhere. Just, we know your sin, too. No, I'm joking. So, <laughs> God does. Um, and he speaks to me. <laughs> but how many know sometimes the answer to your prayers are sitting next to you? And, and honestly, we could go across this room right here and share hundreds and hundreds of more stories of people who've been in funerals, people that have tragic things. Here's, here's what I know. You don't get to choose what you go through in life. But you do get to choose who you do it with. And some of you right now are mad at God because of what you've gone through in your life. And I'm sorry for what you've gone through. But you, don't get to, you get to choose not to go through it alone. I'm pleading with you as your pastor. Don't go alone. All marriages go through hard times. All people struggle with addictions. All people struggle with doubt. All people struggle with depression. Don't let any 
fake facade fool you. We all need God and we all need each other because we find strength from one another, which is number five. You gain strength. You gain strength. Ephesians chapter 6 says this. I want you to see this. this is a familiar verse. Many of you know it about the armor of God. Now we need to put the armor of God on. You've probably heard a message on it before. But this is what it says. Finally, be strong. I mean, oh, that's God's desire for you to be strong. He don't want you to be weak. He wants you to be strong. But notice, not in your power. He wants you to be strong in the Lord's power and in the strength of his might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I mean, oh, the devil don't like anything that's going on in your life right now. He is, he, is, he is seeking to destroy, to devour, to steal from you. Everything that he does, if he sees you in this place, you are on his radar. And I promise you, he is not liking you right now. But Paul encourages the Ephesus church and tells them, for we do not, what's that word? Wrestle. Everybody say it again. Wrestle. wrestle. Okay. Um, I don't know if we got any wrestlers in here, but back in the ancient times, there was wrestlers, and, and actually the way that it was a sport, and it was like to death. Wrestling is a one-on-one sport, one man versus another man, okay? Nowadays, I'm not talking about like WWE, okay? That's not, that's not wrestling, all right? I just offended half of the crowd here. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but that's not wrestling, okay? I'm talking about one man against one man, oiled up to death. That's wrestling. I'll, pay, I'll do pay-per-view for that. Okay, so, um, and so that's, that's how it was back in those days, okay? And so Paul is telling them, though, hey, guys, listen, we're not wrestling. We're not wrestlers. Well, what are we? We're soldiers. And the way soldiers fight and the way wrestlers fight are totally different. Let me demonstrate it to you. Jacques, come on up here. <clears throat> I want you to imagine that this Bible is, is all my hope, all my joy, all my life, everything that is within me, everything that I have, everything that God's done in me is possessed in this Bible. And um, Jacques, you're Satan. <laughs> and so the Bible says, according to Ephesians, that we wrestle not. We, we don't wrestle one-on-one. But I want you, okay, I want you to... To come and I want you to get my Bible. I want you to knock me off. All right. So, you ready? <laughs> I'm your pastor, man. I mean, how are you going? Jeez. All right, Jamal, come here. Denny, come here. Josh, come here. <clears throat> now let's see what we got here. Now, the Bible says that we wrestle not. We don't wrestle Satan one-on-one. What it says is we are soldiers. And the way that soldiers fought in the ancient time is they would actually link arms together. Come on, link, link, link my arms up. Link, link up. Okay. Come on, Satan. Let's see what you got. Ready? Come on. Go. Go. Get it. Get it. Come on. Get it. Show you who's boss. Love you. Bring it on anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Got all my bouncers. <laughs> hey, just surround yourself with strength, too. <laughs> some of you, this is actually, I mean, we laugh at it, but some of you, you've actually been fighting the enemy that way. It's been you and him. 
just going at it, going at it. And if, if Jacques held back, that brother could have thrown me through that curtain over there. <laughs> he could have. He could have. But he didn't because he loves me enough. So, but that's, that's what's happened. Some of you, the enemy's literally just throwing you around everywhere. And you're like, God, I'm getting so beat up. The problem is because you ain't connected to anybody. And you're fighting alone. You're unprotected. you got no strength. The Bible says one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, which means when I'm just connected to people, I get five times stronger by just being connected to people. Listen, if you're here because you're looking for a church, you maybe not found the right place, but if you're here because you're looking for a family, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. You want some strength in your life. You want some encouragement in your life. You need some wisdom in your life. You need some healing in your life. You're not going to do it alone. I promise you. I promise you. Listen to me strongly here. You're not going to, the only thing we do alone is fail. That's it. But with God's help and people's help that he puts in our life, we grow stronger, we become better. I'm going to tell you right now, I am where I am today doing what I do because of Pastor Bubba, Pastor Jamie, grandmother, my mom, so many people around me that have just been sources of strength, encouragement, loved me, helped me, spoken things to me when I didn't want to hear it but needed to hear it. And some of you need that in your life. And I promise you, if you'll just do that, that alone, you'll, you'll soar in your relationship with God. God did not call us to come and attend a church. He called us to come and be a part of a church, to be a family together.